Podcast. If a CEO doesn't have that, don't fake it. Because look at all the companies out there that have had tremendous technology and tremendous ideas and have imploded from within because they don't have the right culture. It takes a long time to build a culture. It's much easier to start when you're small. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hi, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. I'm your host. My name is Tyler Martin. My goal for this show is to help you, the business owner, scale and grow your business. I truly believe business owners are often just a couple puzzle pieces away from building the business of their dreams. Today's topic is an incredibly important one for building a high-performing team and retaining your team too. Our guest is Dean Hallett. Dean is the founder and the president of Hallett Leadership. This is a company that provides executive coaching and accelerated leadership programs. During his 27-year career, Dean personally helped develop young talent into high-performing leaders for major companies and global brands, such as 20th Century Fox and Disney. Now he leverages his expertise to support companies in transforming their employee cultures from inside and out. On top of that, Dean published a book recently called The Missing Piece, where he talks about the importance of developing talent at all levels of a company. According to Dean, it's vital to scale your culture as your company grows. For that, you need to nurture open communication and mutual trust. In this episode, we talk about the importance of keeping your people aligned with the company's vision, how to develop your employees and support their growth, the power of constructive feedback, and finally, why it's important to trust and follow your instincts. If you want to learn more about leadership and building a great culture, you're in the right spot. Let's hear from Dean. Hey, Dean, thanks so much for being on the show today and welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here this morning, Tyler. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now, you're in the southern part of California. Is that correct? You're in Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah. And you've been there pretty much your whole life. Is, is that right? I have. I spent a year in London, which opened my eyes to the world. But the rest of my, my life, I've lived in LA, in the LA area. Yeah, so I'm on I'm on the northern side of California, and I also have been here my whole life. So we're, we kind of have some similarities there, just the opposite side of California. Well, we thank you for all of our water, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you for all the entertainment. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, so tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do? You know, what got you to where you're at today? I'd love to know just uh, about you. Sure. Yeah, I'm president of Hallett Leadership. We do uh, leadership work in with individuals and in organizations. My track here is a little different than most people, I think. I started my career in public accounting for seven and a half years, worked for a couple of big entertainment companies. I worked for Disney and then Fox on the finance side. I was a CFO. And what I learned as I went along, I started learning about cultures and how they are in different companies. And the nice thing was when I went into Fox, there was not a lot of infrastructure. They were very entrepreneurial in their structure. So there was a lot of white space in the organization where you could jump in and and add value. And I was lucky enough when I was 21 to do what today would be considered an emotional intelligence training. And so I was always 
thinking about, you know, how do I draw out the best in other people? Like I work on drawing the best out of me. And I saw a place to do that at Vox. So I partnered with HR and we brought in some leadership programs. And then over time, we expanded and organically developed some programs inside that were really uh, a combination of all the things I had learned before early in my in, early in my life, but packaged them in such a way that you could actually bring a cohort through a training program. And we did it with middle management for about 15 years and developed a lot of synergy and trust and, and great leadership tools amongst these people. And as they moved up in the organization, the leadership in the organization transformed. It really did as these people stepped in and had other people in the company that they could trust and not be political, just pick up the phone, make a phone call and get a straight answer. Wow, very cool. Now, I've got a question for you. I, sure. I'm a CPA, so my background's accounting, finance, and we're generally thought of as kind of black and white people. And so yeah. when I hear you say culture and people and kind of, you know, maybe touchy-feely a little bit, where did that come from? Was it all the emotional intelligence course that you took? Or I just don't usually tie those together. What's the story there? I don't know that I used all the vernacular like culture when I was early in my career. Okay. But like I said, I did that emotional intelligence training. Up to that point in my life, it seemed like I had everything going for me. I was great academically. I had a job offer from one of the big aid firms. I was about to head out on a freestyle for a freestyle ski camp. I'm an avid skier. Everything's in my, if you look from the outside, looking in, it looked like everything was wonderful, but something was missing for me. I felt like I would, and I, I can share a little bit about it. I had a bully for a big brother. And I became insular and protective and I became a survivor. I can survive anything, but I didn't trust people and I didn't connect with people. So I was, you know, head down, do my hard work and be rewarded. But I was numb. I turned off the pain. And when I turned off the pain, I turned off the joy too. And that training program, emotional intelligence training, really opened my eyes to what I was doing and what was possible. And so from that point on, the human connection aspect of my life changed dramatically. I do understand what you mean about CPAs. My wife used to introduce me and say, you know, this is my husband, Dean. He's an accountant, but he's not your typical accountant. <laughs> you know, and, and it, was, it was, it took some while to learn to trust my instincts and connect with people and open up. And, you know, we use the word vulnerable. I find so many people struggle with that word because they hear it and they think weakness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know Brene Brown, but oh, yeah. she, yeah, she, in her talk about vulnerability, one of them, she uses the word wholehearted. And I'm starting to use that term because as soon as I use the V word, people start going, whoa, wait a minute. And I thought mostly men, but women feel like, oh my God, I can't be vulnerable in the workplace because everybody will think I'm weak and you know, I'm competing against men and I can't be like that. Well, vulnerable doesn't mean you have to cry. You know, It doesn't mean that. Wholehearted shows up with your empathy, your compassion, and you're caring about people while you're trying to accomplish goals. And that is what I learned how to do how to build teams that way. And now that's what I do in my programs. Wow. That's good stuff. Yeah. Brene Brown, I mean, when you listen to some of her stories, when she's talking about vulnerability and just what she's gone through, I literally get the chills. I mean, it's just some really powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I get goosebumps every time I listen to that power of vulnerability TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things we talk about on the show is scaling and, and growing a business and building a business. And obviously, people are a big part of that. How do you scale a positive culture as a company grows? I mean, how would you, what would be your thoughts around that? Well, there's a couple of things that come into play. You know, like I said, in my early life, I was being rewarded for my individual performance. And I think you can do that when you're a, a small organization and everybody is close enough 
whether even if it's not geographically, because I know there's so many virtual companies now, but if you're small enough that everybody has time with the CEO, you can stay aligned around what the vision is, what you're trying to accomplish, and make sure everybody's headed in the right direction. But as you grow, you need to build teams. You need to empower your people. There's so much disruption coming at us in the world today that you have to benefit from everyone's eyes and ears. So they see the opportunities. They see the threats. And if you're not keeping those people that you're bringing into your organization connected to what the vision is, it becomes really challenging. And I know that's all you know, people talk vision. How do you do that? It's communication. It's giving, empowering people and making sure they're aligned with what the vision is and letting them do their job in their way so that they can grow. And I find what happens too often is we all, the challenge is we all are rewarded based on our individual performance. And so we think whatever we've been doing will get us here. And as we get higher in an organization, we feel like we're supposed to have the answers. So if you're an organization of 10 people, you're probably all like, you know, sharing ideas like crazy. If you're a hundred people, and you've got you know, four or five people under you, there's an expectation. I'm supposed to have all the answers. And so I don't ask for help. I don't want to be vulnerable using that word. And it creates challenges because then I start leading people without really knowing where I'm going. And people feel disconnected from the vision of the organization. A lot of times we shift into a command and control kind of style. Just do what I say and get right. it done. This is what we need to do. People don't feel like they're engaged in what's happening in the organization. And then they just start coming to work, doing what they have to do and going home. And you don't have all of their, their energy, all of their ideas flowing into the company. So you're missing out. I always say, make sure you create space for the introverts to speak up. Because if you don't, you're missing out on all the incredible ideas that they have. Yeah. You have a wonderful story. I don't know if I called a fable in the book, your book, The Missing Piece, by the way, a great book. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but you have a story, if you don't mind sharing it. It's the starfish story. You kind of start out early and then you amend the story. And it really made me, as you were talking about having the team work together, it made me think about that. Do you mind sharing that story here? Sure. Sure. There's a, there's a young girl and she's walking down the beach or she's on the beach and there's a man walking down the beach and he sees her and he sees her bending over and like tossing something, and he's not really sure what she's doing. But as he gets closer, he says, may I ask what you're doing? And there's starfish on the beach, and she's picking them up and throwing them into the water. And she says, they're going to die out here in the sun. They have to get in the water. Otherwise, they're all going to die. And the man says, well, what's the point? She goes, it's not going to make any difference. There's thousands of starfish on this beach. How are you possibly going to have an impact? And she picks up one of the starfish, and she throws it into the water. And she said, it made a difference to that one. And that's usually where the story ends, right? It's, it's like, you know, we have different perspectives than somebody else might. And she had a vision about it. But where we continue the story is she then talks to the man and gets him enrolled in what she's trying to accomplish. And then there are people in the town right there that are looking down onto the beach and see them. And more and more people show up. And she has the same story to share with each of them that she shared with the man. And then all of the people are then picking up the starfish and throwing them to the water and they save all the starfish. Yeah, that's a great story. And it really is about having a vision and enrolling somebody, you know, and having them care about where you're trying to go. And then, you know, they're on board. She didn't have to tell them how to pick them up and throw them, right? They all may have, they may have thrown them different ways, but they knew what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, what resonated with me about that too, is it's like, we were all in this together. Like we were right. working as a unit. It just spoke. It was cool, cool intro to your, your book. Yeah, thanks. Good book. So, hey, I do want to get into the missing piece. I mean, can you share what is the missing piece? Yeah, the missing piece 
to me is developing leaders at all levels of the organization. Some organizations don't develop leadership at all. They think that if they develop their people, they're going to become more marketable and they're going to leave. You know, that's coming from scarcity and, and insecurity. Right. Other people, other companies will, will do some development at the senior levels because they feel it's important. I heard a statistic recently, and it really resonated with me. The average age of individuals when they start leading a team in business is 32 years old. Wow. The average age of their first leadership training is 42 years old. <laughs> so basically for a decade, they're winging it. Right. And so if you invest in your people, you don't have to be a, even a leader of teams, leadership skills, developing mutual trust and respect, how to collaborate, how to give and receive feedback in a constructive way so that we all end up being better because we all have blind spots. And if somebody points out a blind spot, we have the opportunity to work on it. All of these things are instrumental in developing people even before they start leading teams, because then when they lead a team, they're going to be positioned to move that team forward in a way that they otherwise wouldn't be. And even without leading teams, that kind of an environment, we're all pushing each other in a, in a positive way. When I use the word push, pushing each other, inspiring each other to be our best, we're all going to win for that. We're all going to be better and the organization will be able to move at a much faster pace. Right. You know, that's interesting. You the, That statistic you quoted, the 32, and then 10 years, 11 years later, you actually get training. What's fascinating is our markets are kind of similar in a way. We work with business owners, whether it be small, medium, or large, various sizes. But particularly in that small and medium size, you know, the other fascinating side of it is a lot of times business owners start a business, they've never had any training when it comes to leadership or even management. And so I see this a lot within my own client base. They're trying to deal with those challenges of, that from do this to you're part of a team to building culture. Do you see that in your own practice, in your own your own client base? And what would you say is one of the significant weaknesses that you do see with CEOs, particularly in that kind of smaller to medium-sized business arena? Well, I know what my, I have my own coach and my own mentor. Yeah. He would say is the only thing more expensive than hiring a consultant is trying to do it yourself. You know, the most entrepreneurs that start up businesses and have these innovative ideas and, or maybe have a killer app or whatever, the, their skill set and background is not necessarily a leadership. So again, as we go up in the ranks of an organization, we think we're supposed to know how to do everything ourselves. And CEOs are just as guilty as anybody else. If they could bring in somebody who understands leadership and partner with them, if they don't have that skill set themselves, they could make a world of difference. Whether it's an individual coach for that CEO what recently I worked with a CEO, it was a early stage company, still is, they're looking to go IPO in a couple of years. The CEO reached out to me and uh, actually, he wasn't a CEO yet. He was a marketing executive. He reached out to me and said, I want you to coach me to be CEO ready. So I coached him for a little less than a year. The opportunity came up, he became the CEO. And he, now to be fair, we had developed a trusting relationship during that year. He brought me in and I'm doing leadership programs first with a senior leadership team and then one layer underneath. And there, they were a hundred people when I first, when he first took over and they're about 550 now. Wow. And it's important for him to have the team engaged, to have the open culture where people feel that they can speak up about how to make the company better. He wants people to be able to come forward and have that healthy debate, have that healthy discussion about how we improve and how we serve our customers. So I'd say if a CEO doesn't have that, don't fake it because look at all the companies out there that have had tremendous technology and tremendous ideas and have imploded from within because they don't have the right culture. 
And that takes a long time to build a culture. It's much easier to start when you're small. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. Look at all the companies out there that have had tremendous technology and tremendous ideas and have imploded from within because they don't have the right culture. And that takes a long time to build a culture. It's much easier to start when you're small. Yeah, yeah. You know, you brought up the term mentor. And I know you have in your book, you you discuss about about the individual. How important do you think it is to have a mentor? Because I'm always, you know, whenever I have guests on here, I'd say 80% of them have these long-term mentor relationships that are life-changing. What's your thoughts around it? I think it's critical, personally. You know, I know it's not a the perfect analogy, but look at people in professional sports. Every one of them has a coach to help them be better. And why would that be any different for people that are that are in business? And, you know, we, we all have blind spots. Here's one. Say, I said, I had my mentor and coach. He's been a dear friend of mine for 40 years. I know that even today, I know it's hard to believe, but I run, in, I run up against myself. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Maybe I have somebody in one of my programs and they're not moving. And I've tried everything I feel like I know to help them shift out of their position because they're kind of holding back the rest of the people in the program. And I'll reach out to him. And in 10 minutes, because he knows me so well, he knows my blind spots. We talk through it. And all of a sudden, I have complete clarity on what I need to do next. Rather than pretending like, I, you know, rather than trying to figure it out my, by myself, pretending like I have the answer, I'm willing to say, I don't know. And as soon as I'm willing to, to say, I don't know, and I'm not perfect, then I'm open to input. And, you know, and I am. I've learned to re- be really open to input because other people, in the later years of my career, before I started this leadership company, my job was to make sure I create an environment where everybody else could thrive. And so I, that's where I would come from is how do I create that environment? Sometimes when I feel the environment's not where I want it, I reach out for help. I ask for help so everybody else can thrive. So one thing I hear that you're saying is you're very coachable. You're open to different angles, different aspects. What do you do? Do you ever run into a client that maybe you perceive as not being very coachable mm-hmm. or you know, they're just not open to different angles? How do you deal with that? What's the answer there? Is it to move on or is there different approaches to soften them up? It depends. If it's a CEO and the CEO is not open, it's really hard to push that boulder uphill. Yeah. against, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times the CEO will reach out and say, hey, can you coach my VP of sales? You know, he really needs some work. Well, maybe it's the culture that needs some work. So the, the CEO, if they're willing to be open and not just give it lip service, that, that's easy. If they're willing to shift over time, I'll do it. But if they really, truly want to keep their command and control environment, have everybody else collaborate, but not them be part of the team, I kind of move on because life's too short. And I really want to have the most impact that I can for people and help people grow. And and it's much easier when they actually want it. Now, if it's a program inside a company with 15 people and one person is stuck, then I make it a point to have the group take accountability and responsibility for the group as a whole. 
And so I'm not the only one at that point giving that person feedback. They all are. And eventually, if people don't shift, my feedback to CEOs all the time is give people every opportunity you can to shift. But if they don't and you need to make a change, make the change. Because one of the exercises we do in our programs is we have people stand in front of the room and share what is the biggest mistake I've ever made in business and how much did it cost the company. And more than half of the time, it's keeping somebody in a position too long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, that leads into another one of my questions, which is interesting. I wanted to ask you, do you have a biggest failure that, that you personally have had that you can share and maybe what you learned from it? I'd love to know. The one that probably resonated with me the most, it's a long story. I'll, I'll keep it short. <laughs> I talk about this in the book. There's the building of the digital supply chain at Vox. And we went through in creating alignment around building a centralized digital supply chain and getting each of the individual businesses to give up their supply chain responsibilities because they all manage their own physical supply chain. We had to create a lot of trust and respect. And, and I didn't have a mandate from the leadership. So, but, but basically they said, yes, yes, we'll support you in, in running this, this program, this project. And I worked on it, worked on it and built alignment, get people to see the vision of what we were trying to accomplish. But that is not a one-time effort. It's something that you have to do over and over again, because as soon as these people go back and listen to their business leader for a few minutes, they'll suddenly take on the individual business unit perspective again. So I kept doing it. And to get the initial launch of the supply chain probably took six to nine months longer than it, I thought it should have, because I had to keep going back and getting people realigned. For stage two, I didn't want to waste nine months. And so I knew there was going to be a political response to me posting these new jobs for this next phase. And rather than taking my time and working with the leadership in one of these other business units, I just said, you know what? It's going to be drama no matter when we do it. Just pull the trigger. Let's post the jobs. And what I did in the process was I ruined a relationship. I ruined a a huge fan of mine, even though he didn't agree with everything that I wanted to do. We were friends. We had a really good relationship, but he just kept pushing back all the time and I didn't want to wait. And, you know, we, he literally didn't talk to me for three months. Actually, he came to my office and said some horrible things about me and attacked me personally, probably way beyond what he should have. We eventually had to talk because we worked together, but the relationship was never the same. And so, you know, what I learned from that is sometimes it's worth taking a little bit of extra time to make sure that you've got that alignment. Maybe not nine months, but I could have gone and had to sit down and said, look, I know you're going to be pissed when I do this. I didn't have to blindside them. That's the bottom line. You know, I completely blindsided them. Right. I worked for an organization many years ago and they would call it pulling off the Band-Aid. And so they would do something and they would pull off the Band-Aid and everybody would revolt or cause all kinds of chaos. And then we get into these executive meetings and they say, okay, we're never going to do that again. (laughs) And then three weeks later, there'd be something they, you know, they got a whim, CEO, whoever, I'm not going to blame anybody. But again, they'd pull off the Band-Aid and you have all this chaos again. And it was, you know, they never learned from it, basically. Yeah. You're never going to sell it in as a democracy, but there are things that you can do to to grease the skids a little bit. Right, right. Soften the blow. That's good. One of the questions I had for you, there's generally accepted truths out there. I'm just curious, do you have something that, you know, generally we accept as a truth, but maybe you see it a different way? Uh, Am I catching you off guard too much? No, I I don't know if I'm going to directly answer your question, but I I will. Sure. I'll answer it this way. This is something that I always talk about. Feedback. Feedback to me is the least expensive, most effective management tool we have. And people don't do it. 
If there's something about you, Tyler, that I see that is that is in the way of our relationship and how we work together, or maybe you're doing something that is creating some other challenge for people downstream and you're not aware of it, for the company to be its best, I want to bring that up to you and mention it to you. Most people don't do it and they tell themselves that they are, they don't want to do it because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. My experience is they're afraid of the blowback they're going to get for it, how people are going to see them for giving the feedback. It's not about hurting someone's feelings. So you want to talk about a truth? Okay. Only you can choose how you feel about something. Nobody else can make you feel something. You know, there's a, there's a story. So there's, there's two holes in the ground. They're each eight feet deep. One of them is filled up four feet with, with cow dung. And the other one is filled up eight feet with cow dung. You have to jump in because the walls are closing. You got to jump into one of those holes. So you jump into the one that's up to here, just up to here. And you have a choice about how you feel about it. You could say, excuse my French, this is shitty. Or you can say far out, it's only up to here, <laughs> right? You have a choice on how you feel in situations. It's not, no one else has that power. And I'm not willing to give that power to anybody else. So if there's feedback to be given, don't lie to yourself and tell them you're sparing the other person's feelings. It takes courage. And it takes courage to, to be a big person and do it. Now, you can do it with mutual trust and respect. You can do it constructively, elegantly. You don't have to like just you know, pounce on it with negative feedback. And by the way, feedback can be positive too. Hey, you know what? When you did this, it had a great benefit over here in this part, in this department. Keep doing that because that's where we need to go as a group. People don't do that enough. They're also focused on their own individual world. Yeah, that's a great one. In your book, uh, the missing piece, you talk about the culture flywheel. What is that? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. At the center of is your culture that you're either trying to build or maintain. And there are three things happening around that culture all at the same time that are influencing it. And one of those is the organizational structure. So if I go back to my digital supply chain example, we were building an organization to run a central supply chain. We had to build Positions. We had to build an org chart. Just building the org chart doesn't make any, doesn't do anything in and of itself. We also had to change the way things worked, what the management processes are. That's the second component. The management processes, if, if we built a supply chain and nobody used it, they all continued doing everything in their own department, then we still wouldn't have a centralized supply chain. The third part of the flywheel, which I show on the bottom as the foundation of everything around culture, is the people, the personal characteristics, which is how you hire, who you hire, how they're incentivized, are they aligned, do they share the vision? And that's really the work that I do is on the people side. Because if you don't, you can do all the other two components, but if you don't build the right, the right team and incentivize them the right way, everything can come crumbling down so quickly. But all three of those are required to have the culture. Because again, you can hire the best people in the world, but if you're you don't have a proper org structure and you don't have the right processes in place, you're not going to be very effective either. So all three of those components are constantly working together and need to be addressed to make sure that they're right. Yeah. Love that. You know, one another thing I really enjoyed about the book, you pull out some really cool quotes. You have, I believe it's every chapter has, you know, about a good two to four quotes. Yeah. There are a lot of really good ones in there that just kind of make me sit there and think for, for 30 seconds or so on each one. Well, and you look at, at who said them, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, these are these great leaders that we have in our world, and they make these comments about how important it is to create collaboration, to have teamwork, and even to, to be open and, and give feedback. All of that is in their wheelhouse. 
Yeah, great stuff. Hey, I got one last question and then we'll talk about where, where we'd like to have, have the audience go. In terms of a, a life or a business tip, is there something that you could share with us that we could apply to our lives or our business? I think I would say to be courageous and take the step, trust your instincts and be courageous enough to act on them. There's so much data in the world now, it's easy to become paralyzed. We live in a world where we cannot possibly have certainty that we're going to be able to make the right decision. So you hear about failing fast. I mean, we have to make decisions, learn from them, make the next decision. That's why vision is so important because we can take a lot of different actions. As long as we're heading towards our vision, then I think that we're going to be able to, to pivot whenever we have to and make adjustments in, our, in the action steps that we're deciding to take. But we have to trust our instincts to fill in the space where we don't have data. And, you know, that's what, you know, if, if it wasn't expertise and instinct, then what are we hiring the people for, right? If it was all based on data, let the data just dictate what we should do. There's still the human element and we have to trust what we bring to it. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Hey, I'll put everything about I'm about to discuss in the show notes. The book is The Missing Piece, How Successful Companies Develop High-Performance Cultures. Awesome book. I read it. Really good job. Thank you. Your website, halletleadership.com. Once again, I'll say it again, halletleadership.com. Is there anywhere else, if anyone wants to reach out to you and communicate with you, you, do you like them to go? They can email me directly if they want at DCH. My initial is DCH at halletleadership.com. Hallett has two L's and two T's. Awesome. And you're okay if I put your email in the show notes? Absolutely. Okay, great. That's awesome. It was great talking with you. Your book, wasn't your book just released? Was it this month or last month? Uh, it came out in February, actually. And okay. the, the audio book is going to be available through Audible probably in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Okay, good. Well, hopefully that launch is going well. There's a lot of wisdom in it. So I really enjoyed it. And I most importantly enjoyed having you here today. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure being here. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Take care, Dean. All right. You too, Tyler. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electricast Records. And always remember be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Acid.